Do you ever find yourself yearning to look beyond the obvious and dreaming about what's possible in your next chapter? Welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. I'm your host, Jeanette Blissette, former corporate executive who turned the page to become a best-selling author, entrepreneur, designer, and lifestyle business consultant. Episodes feature me and a kaleidoscope of guests who share their journeys with wit, candor, and humor, braving life into real talks about things that matter most. I believe we all have a fire burning within us, waiting to be unleashed and shared with the world. It may just be a matter of time. So let's get together, turn the page, and get this adventure started. Welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. I'm your host, Jeanette Lissette. Today's guest is Julian Hayes II, and Julian is an executive health consultant and epigenetic atelier and the host of Optimal Health for Busy Entrepreneurs. Julian, welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. Thank you so much for having me here. It is an absolute honor, and thank you for the warm introduction there. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Let's dig in a little bit and find out some of the high points of your business. Why the pivot from medical school? I'm sure your family had great hopes that you would have that doctor in front of your name. A lot of families enjoy having a doctor in the family and then actually pivoting to your new chap in this space that you're in. You're absolutely correct. I was the golden boy, the prince on the route to medical school. I'm first generation as well. So going to undergrad and getting a college degree was already a fantastic accomplishment in everyone's eyes. But the icing on the cake was just to be a doctor. I'm from Nashville, Tennessee. That's where I'm currently located. And I go to New York. New York's a totally different place than Nashville. And I met so many different types of creatives and everything when I'm out in the city because I'm just curious about people. Curiosity is at the forefront of everything I do. It's how I land on things is curiosity. And I get to this point where I realized that I love health and everything that it represents. I didn't necessarily love idea of being a surgeon. I wanted to be an eye surgeon. It's cool, but it's not really something I love. And so I had this thing in the back of my head of potential regrets that if I don't do this, I do not want to be one of those people 40, 50, 60 years later talking to younger generations, telling them a host of stories about, well, I wish I did this. I wish I did that. I knew school was always going to be there. So I just decided not to go back after that first year. And it was pretty scary. The people around me had fear and they definitely radiated on me. I did not get a celebration party to say I'm not going back to school. I just couldn't tolerate it anymore. I was always fascinated about writing and just creating and expressing yourself. And I didn't really know what an entrepreneur or anything was. I thought it was some mythical figure that only a select few are allowed to. And then when I finally get exposed to it, I understand the nuances of the world and all these different things. To have this knowledge and not to take advantage of it, it's it's an obligation that I feel. And so I take my existing knowledge and then my curiosity, as I mentioned earlier, I get fascinated with genetics, and epigenetics and different other things in the health world because my father was ill and he had the same illness that his grandfather had and then all these same lineage of people getting illnesses and then I looked at other families and I'm like they cannot have that something's not adding up here something that they're not telling us and this is where I just go on my own self-discovery so I'm a self-study person so I just buy different books I go on different YouTube binges and things on Google and I put together my own curriculum and then I find mentors as well I reach out to people and it all starts with me so a lot of the things I did out of the need to feel empowered and controlled to let myself 
know that my genes are not my destiny just because my father, my grandfather, great grandfather, my aunts and uncles may have experienced something after a certain age does not necessarily mean that is my destiny as well. I just kind of just go out and do things and try it and see what happens. I just figured that other people would be interested in it as well. Amazing because your intuition told you there was something to it more mm-hmm. than what folks were saying in, in terms of the DNA. In fact, uh, I visited with a doctor several years ago in Indianapolis and he just said something like this. He said, Jeanette, your health is probably about 75% genetics and 25% what you can do about it. So actually you are in the driver's seat of your health, even though your DNA shows X, Y, and Z in terms of illnesses you have the propensity for based on your DNA structures. But you can do something about that by your lifestyle and the choices you make. And I thought that was very profound. So you intuitively knew that and decided to take action. You said it perfectly yourself that all our DNA and genetics does is really just offer us clues to our past and maybe where we came from and how people before us live. But what we do now in this present moment is where epigenetics can come in, that is going to mold our future. And we can make that future into what we desire by what we do today. We have so much more power that we're not really governed just by these genes. Once we know our code and kind of where we stand, Mm -hmm. we can take actions to alleviate and mitigate some of these things that could potentially come down the road. Can you expound a little bit more on epigenetics and what that actually is? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the first thing is that when you hear the word epigenetics, it simply means above the gene. Epi means above. So picture that you have this gene is hardwired and it's not going to change, but the way that gene can express, that can most definitely be changed and expressed differently. And that's where epigenetics comes in. So another way to think about this is when you have a computer, you have the hardware and then we have the software, but the software is the informational inputs that are going into that hardware there. And so that software, however the quality is, determines how that hardware is going to output. And in this instance, our body, our human system is the hardware and the software is the way we eat, the way we move, the way we think, our relationships, our environment, every single thing that you can think of on a day-to-day basis that you're doing is dynamically interacting with your body and it's all connected. So even things just as your mindset, it plays a big part in your genome and how your body's reacting inside. So even if you don't see that, there are things that are going on at that time. So it's dynamically fluid environment. I like when you say fluid environment, because that reminds me that a lot of people are wanting to see instant results. They want to mm-hmm. see results right away. And they don't particularly want to spend a lot of time doing what they think is going to get them to the goal they're after. However, there's a disconnect with understanding that every degree or percentage of change that you make on a daily basis is going to accumulate over time to get you to the goal. Absolutely. I tend to remind them that it's like investing to to a certain standpoint, you wouldn't expect to put a $5 deposit in today and expect it to become a million dollars next week. Maybe you get lucky, but what are the odds of that really happening? It's Mm -hmm. very small. So it's the same thing with our health. It's a compound interest effect that goes on. And that compound interest can either be a plus or a minus, depending on the decisions and habits you're doing on that daily basis that are going to add up. So when you're working with your clients, say for instance, it's an entrepreneur because Mm -hmm. your podcast 
podcast seems to target entrepreneurs, depending on how much time they've had in the entrepreneurial space, either they're hustling and then grinding or hustling and grinding. <laughs> so let's speak to that group first. Mm-hmm. Yes. The funny thing is, I guess it's not funny, but it's kind of like an addiction and it's kind of just a way of life. I talk about this a lot. I call it like the success paradox, where as you accumulate, you start to maybe build your business up, even build your career up and you start to take off more and you get more success in that avenue. What comes along with that is more responsibility. There's more expectation upon you. And you also remember day one when you started your business. You never want to go back to those days, those lean days where you're struggling and even your career where you're at the the very basic level of your career. You don't want to go back to that. That's a driving force. So what that does is it keeps you always working, 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 keeps you always in the mode of accumulation, accumulation, growth, growth, growth. And the thing that unintentionally happens is that our own very personal well-being gets placed in the back burner because we're so concerned with our career, with our business. And even we have the obligations to serve those around us, our loved ones, our family, our kids, or and whatever. So it's not a thing typically of negligence with our health. It's a thing of we just kind of lose priority and we just get so distracted with everything else. And we don't have the structure to seamlessly integrate all these things in with our health and fitness. So how do you help an entrepreneur? Mm-hmm. Well, the first thing is getting that structure and stability. But more than that, it's understanding, okay, time is finite and we need to be as precise and efficient as possible. And that's where the genetic testing comes in. That's where the lab testing comes in. That's where testing your omega-3 to your omega-6 comes in, wearing these tech wearables and seeing the quality of your sleep, all this data. So taking in all this data at the very beginning. So it's slowing down at the beginning so we can speed up. It's reflecting on what we have right now before we just instantaneously react and and just pick something just to pick something. So it's being a lot more intentional Mm -hmm. at the very beginning, getting precise, because then everything that you're doing from the way that you're eating, from the way that you're moving, from the way that you're sleeping, from the way that you're just structuring your day, it is all set up specifically just for you. Because we're all at 99.9% the same pretty much. But that 0.1% is different on a cellular level. But even just how we go about our day, the way I like to go about my day is probably different than the way you like to go about your day because we have different psychologies. So I take all this into hand. So it's like a a big, beautiful story that's kind of all meshed up in different places. And then we just start slowly piecing things together to make a nice cohesive thing. And this is our hypothesis. And we'll go through this and see how's this doing? Okay, let's make a little tweak here or there. And then we just keep doing that and refining it until we get to the perfect thing for that moment. But that can change over the next year because life changes. Absolutely. And when you talk about optimal health, are there many definitions for that based on the individual that you're working Mm -hmm. with? That's a great question because one of the first things I actually do is ask people, what does optimal health mean to you? That's why I use that word optimal health. It means different things to us. And I I ask that question because to me, optimal health is going to be completely different to maybe someone like my aunt. She just wants to, to feel healthy. Right. For me, optimal health right now in this stage of life is I can go out and train for marathons. I'm going to swim. I'm going to box. I'm going to lift weights. I'm going to just do all these things. Right. Just a big burst of energy. But other people, it's going to be different. Maybe they don't need to look like a fitness model or anything. But then, of course, there's things such as certain blood markers, certain biomarkers with our maybe looking at our glucose, maybe looking 
minute our fasting insulin. There's typical ranges that you want to be in with that on a broad spectrum. So of course, we have those finite numbers in different categories. But more of the abstract, I want you to think about optimal health. How are you moving? If you had optimal health, how are you living? How are you speaking? How do you feel throughout the day? Because feeling is a big part of the way we go about our days. And how is the relationships? Because that's a big part of our health. How's the vocation? Where are you getting fulfillment with your career at? Because if you look at a lot of different centenarians, they have a mission, a life force, a purpose, and that's what keeps them alive. Because a lot of times people aim for retirement and then they just want to stop doing everything. And I tell them, no, 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 no. If anything, retirement is just basically halftime and you're going out for the next half. Maybe you're not doing the same career or the thing that you were doing beforehand, but that's an opportunity to do something else still, to give your body a reason to get up every day. There's so many other different pictures that are beautiful of health. You make a point of the the mindset connection, the emotional and spiritual connection to what you're doing. Some people get it from walking. Some people get it from running, hiking, Mm -hmm. and things of that nature. So the picture that we have of optimal health or what that looks like is going to be different for different people. Some folks want to be buffed up. Some people want to be just sleek and trim and tight and toned. I can greatly respect what you're doing in terms of working individually with your clients to determine what they want and what it means to them. And then mm-hmm. pulling in all the elements that help to line everything up and get everything organized so that they have a personalized plan that's customized for their lifestyle and what their goals are. I think that's pretty strong. Yeah, and it's it's more enjoyable because if you think about this, there's going to be frustration, most likely. There's going to be some pain. There's going to have to be some discipline and some uncomfortable moments, no matter what meaningful goal that you choose. But if it's a goal that you truly feel connected to, that makes the journey to that a lot more enjoyable. So that's why it's good to really find this congruency, this symmetry that matches up ideally with what you want. Then you can bring all the cool toys in. All the technology, the blood testing, all that means nothing if there's no congruency with your whole life in general. There's always going to be a friction between fitness and your life. Good point, good point. So the investment in all of those things should come after you have truly made the connection. Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of times that's what gets people in the door. It sounds exciting to, okay, I'm going to get a diet based on my blood work and my genetics. So that that gets people in the door, but we definitely do not start there. I am very big on knowing yourself and accepting yourself, flaws and all. For example, myself, I love control. That's why I love data so much. I love the illusion of control. Nothing gives me more pleasure than to see a bunch of numbers and data and different analytics of myself and seeing what's going on and say, okay, can I improve this a little bit? To some people that sounds overwhelming, time consuming, and they just want to be a little more flowy and have fun with it. Whereas me, I don't necessarily need to have fun when I'm training. It's just part of the mission. I see the future investment for it where some people need to really have more pleasure and enjoyment from it. So maybe they want to have friends when they're working out as as well when they go to the gym. I'm thinking about the mindset that many people I talk to have about moving their body and simply being consistent with the movement. And we talk about the kind of movement that you can have naturally, even just being home. But when I talk to many people, that whole concept of making the commitment to move seems to be a daunting task. So let me ask you, when you're working with your clients, how do you help them to overcome some of the barriers or obstacles that they tell themselves about making a commitment? I usually ask why a couple of times. I'm just 
curious. That's it's interesting. Why do you think that way? Why do you think it's so overwhelming? Oh, why do you think that? And so we do that a couple of times until we really get to the root cause of things. And then when we really know the root cause, the truthful things, then you can start to address it. Maybe with some people, the current lens that they're looking at exercising, they're looking at that Instagram fitness model and they're thinking, oh, that's what it means to exercise. I don't want that. That ain't for me. I can't do that. It's a lot of these different filters and lenses through which we see the world and that's shaping our worldview. And a lot of times we have not stopped to even think about why do we even think about certain things? Like, why do you believe this? And they're just like, I don't know. This is just what I was told. This is just what I saw. So a lot of times we just need to pause and actually do some reflection. Also, a lot of times we don't have any stakes. So why is this important? Why is this so meaningful to me? So for me, I have a a lot of reasons why I'm doing these things. And I know why it's meaningful to me. And so sometimes people don't have a strong enough meaning attached to why they exercise. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes your kids can get you excited or your future kids, or if you're thinking about having a kid, then that can be the thing that really gets you going, gets the gears going is that I want to bring a healthy child into the world. And I want to be as my healthy self because I know I have a whole lot of power on that. And then maybe it's some people that I want to be around for my grandchildren. And so there's so many different things, but really stopping and thinking about why is this meaningful? Why is this impactful? Who is it going to benefit? If you serve people already, think about how much more impactful you could serve people if your bucket was full, if you were not just existing throughout the day, but if you were thriving, think about it. If you were thriving throughout the day, man, my impact on others could be tenfold. That's an interesting concept. Talk a little bit about the longevity factor. You talked about some of the people who live very long lives past 100 years old and the things that made the difference for them beyond their choices in terms mm-hmm. of food and things of that nature, because some of the food choices are based on where they actually live. So we can take somebody from some little obscure island who's eating everything that we are told not to eat and they, they, they're 125 years old and, and they're still kicking it. But let's talk about the longevity factor as it relates to health and fitness and the benefits of it as we start to look forward mm-hmm. in our lives. When you mentioned the fitness components, probably the single greatest factor benefit for longevity could be exercising consistently. And why? It's because nearly a fourth or fifth of your genome, which is upregulating like 6,000 genes, is going to be affected by consistent exercising. If we could put exercise in a bottle, it would be the greatest pharmaceutical around. Exercise is probably the greatest longevity beneficial factor. It's free and it's accessible to pretty much everyone in some form or fashion. That's a pretty big thing. Now, you see a lot of different DNA testing and stuff like that's pretty mainstream now. And I think the issue now lies in, okay, what do you do with the data? That's the next thing. I think, for instance, for myself, for what I do, you could probably make an algorithm to input different things. But the thing is the interpretation of the data. And that's where we're lagging behind. We have all this data with all these watches and Fitbits that we have. But what exactly am I supposed to do with all this data? What's this HRV mean? What's this heart rate mean? Is this heart rate number even good for me? Do I need to improve it? How do I improve it? So it's those types of questions that I think is the next step in this whole journey. Not just yet. It's pretty new. But I mean, we can always eat foods such as broccoli, Brussels sprouts. That has compounds in it called sephoraphrane. And that is simply helping your body detox a lot of the pollutants and chemicals that are out in the world. 
Some of us do not detox as well as others. So you're technically epigenetically modifying your genome in this moment. You just don't know it. Things like curcumin, turmeric, blueberries with resveratrol. So there's a lot of different components that you'll hear about in the future, but food is medicine and doing this now, you just might not know what all that you're doing and what all that you're affecting on a cellular level yet. But you're definitely doing that by using a lot of olive oil. That's going to epigenetically modify a lot of genes. It's my favorite oil to use is olive oil. So those are small examples right there. You sound like my favorite doctor, Dr. Dungeon. Yeah, and I think he's he's known for talking about the gut and then maybe lectins. Well, big time on yeah. lectins, which yeah. he changed my life. He yeah, and, my and, life. Mm-hmm. And, some, and this is where the biospecific and bioindividuality comes in. I've never had an issue with lectins and I eat them and all my stuff comes back fine. But there's a lot of people out there who cannot tolerate those things. And it's great to view yourself as the, the science experiment. Just because this type of eating works for some person doesn't mean that you have to do it or that it is going to work. There's bits and pieces you can take from that. I like that he talks about the gut because the gut is highly important. And a lot of times if people have used antibiotics in their life for any extended period of time, they basically wiped away a lot of the good bacteria because antibiotics is pretty much, for all intents and purposes, it's pretty much like a nuclear bomb. You drop it and it just destroys everything. It gets the job done, but it leaves a lot of destruction in its wake. You take out the enemy, but you unfortunately hurt a lot of the good guys as well. We don't know that. We need to repopulate our gut because our gut is also going to house a lot of these different neurotransmitters that are going to go back to our brain. We're always going to have these issues like, why do I feel a little off? I'm a little foggy or I just have these weight issues, but I'm eating the right things. But are you taking care of the things that are at the root cause of the whole entire situation? I learned that through trial and error. And Mm -hmm. as you say, you have to be a detective of your own body for the most part. I am Caribbean. So naturally I grew up on beans and rice and vegetables and chicken and fish, a lot of great stuff. However, I didn't know that beans in particular was impacting me. It wasn't until I paid attention to lectins and to my gut health did things shift permanently. So that's how I know for me, that was something very important. But the point being is that being a detective of your own body is critical. Absolutely. And that's why a lot of times I do not say this is a good food or this is a bad food. The only time I really would say that is something fast food and it's just like trans fat and it's nutritionally devoid. But for the most part, I don't really say nothing's good or bad. Maybe something's more ideal than others, but it's a lot of gray because we're different. So different. So different. I'll give you an example. I have been allergic to cashews as long as I can remember. I have been allergic to coconut, the meat of the coconut for as long as I can remember getting violent reactions from eating both of those. But with the cashews, it's almost deadly for me. So I was reading Dr. Gundry's book, The Plant Paradox. Mm-hmm. I came across the paragraph on cashews and then it, it struck me. I didn't know that cashews were related to the poison ivy family. Oh, I didn't know that. And poison ivy can really mess you up. <laughs> and I said, oh, that must be the reason why cashews are so deadly for me. Now, coconut, I'm allergic to the meat, but I can use coconut oil. I had to experiment with that first to make Mm. sure I was going to have a reaction. Again, doing a little bit of detective work on your own self. Absolutely. And for me, it's Brazil nuts. Brazil nuts are great for you. They're high in selenium and... I just ate two. I just like, I'm hungry. I ate two. And then five minutes later, my throat is dry. I'm like, maybe I'm just dehydrated. Okay. Okay. I was like, now it's itching. Why does my throat feel so tight? And then I looked at my coloration. I'm like, am 
my lips look a little dark. And then I was thinking, I think I'm having an emergency reaction. And then I started feeling my heart beat up and stuff a little more like I'm having an allergic reaction. And so I just went to the emergency room. I was just joking around and everything. I didn't think still was no big deal. She's like, no, this is pretty deadly. And so I had to sit there and be monitored. I was like, wow, two little Brazil nuts caused this. This thing almost took me out. So I have a lot more empathy now, understanding for people who have like shellfish allergies or anything. Because at first I thought up until this point, I can pretty much eat anything and have no problem. I've just been blessed in that regard. So how can our listeners contact you? So you can just go to theartoffitnessandlife.com and all the information will be there. Or if you just wanted to directly email me with any questions, it can be julian at theartoffitnessandlife.com. Fantastic. Well, Julian, I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation today. I know your time is at a premium. Thanks so much for being a guest on the next chapter. Thank you so much for having me. It's, it's truly an honor anytime someone will let me talk and wants to hear me talk. So I definitely appreciate it. Today's episode is part one of our conversation with Julian. Tune in next week for part two. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Next Chapter Experience. If you have already subscribed, rated, and left a review, or shared this podcast with a friend, many, many thanks. For questions, comments, or feedback, reach out to me at Jeanette Lissette at nextchapterexperience.com. We'll be back with more conversations, so until then, keep that fire burning.